Hey everyone, it's a privilege to be with you here on HDVB Online. As mentioned, my name is Priscilla and I'm part of the team here at HDVB. Now we are in the midst of what is dubbed the Great Resignation, a record-setting trend where millions of people around the world are leaving their jobs voluntarily. In the US, 4.4 million Americans left their jobs as of September, and in the UK, the number of job openings exceeded 1 million for the first time in August. People are in search for new opportunities and maybe more meaningful work, better compensation, and perhaps more flexibility to accommodate the lifestyle that has changed. Now, in my own circle, in the last few weeks, I've had a close friend who moved countries for a new job, uh, friends who changed job departments, accepted new job offers, and these are just those who have made the shift. Many of the others around me are contemplating if they should as well. Now, there are many facets to what has caused this large movement of people around the world, but what's certain is the pandemic has caused many of us, whether you have jobs or not, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, to really look into ourselves and ask, why do I do what I do? What is meaningful to me? What is my significance or does my life even matter? And perhaps underlying all of those questions is what we really want to know. Who am I really? Of late, I've even caught myself saying this quite a few times, you know, in decision making. Is this really me? And in our human nature, what do we do? We go on a quest and search for answers to questions on our identity in all sorts of people or things, our relationships, our work, our appearance, our accomplishments, and so forth. And what makes it all the more challenging to know the truth of who we are is just through a touch of our fingers on our screens, we enter into a universe of opinions and information. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I mean, Meta influences us on what others think truth is. My mom and dad send me information from forwarded many times WhatsApp messages that I don't know where they got from. And the next thing happens is they get a call from me saying, Dad, we don't go by a day where our algorithms on our apps don't tell us what we need in order to be who we think we need to be. They even tell us what we like. Recommended Netflix shows for you based on what you've already watched. Or YouTube ads beginning with, ever thought of this? You need. And on top of that, there's the added pressure from the world to be unique and different and stand out from the crowd. And out of that comes the sense that perhaps we can shape and create our own identity from the choices we make for ourselves. Now, in a generation obsessed with discovering our identity, there's actually nothing wrong in asking, who am I? In fact, it's a question that we will ask again and again and return from time to time throughout our lives. However, when we ask, it's vital we go to the source of truth from whom our identity comes from. I love what Lisa Bavis said in her book, Adamant. We can only discover who we are when we discover whose we are. So I've titled my talk today, Who is Your Truth? Now, this is the 
climax of the gospel story in John 18. On the night before the Passover feast, Jesus was with His disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the dark night, soldiers and some scholars say maybe about 200 men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees who were the religious leaders in Jerusalem at that time, they came to arrest Jesus. They put Jesus through a series of trials and the first two before the religious leaders. Now, they were very determined to get Jesus killed through crucifixion because that was the most severe form of death in their culture. But the Jewish law does not permit that. So what do they do? They handed Jesus over to Pilate, who is the Roman governor of the province, who actually had the authority to pass a crucifixion sentence. So the scripture we're about to read is Jesus' trial before Pilate. Now verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord or did others say this to you about me? Now Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest has delivered you over to me. Now let's pause here for a bit. You see, Pilate's opening question to Jesus, are you the king of Jews? It's very peculiar, it's very strange. Pilate is not a Jew, as he clearly stated, and therefore would have no knowledge of such Jewish matters. And would Pilate be interested in a Jewish matter? I don't think so. In fact, he told the religious leaders, please deal with Jesus yourselves. But Jesus' question to Pilate, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me, reveals something to us. That Pilate was very likely led into that information by the religious leaders who turned Jesus in. And sometimes we can be like Pilate where we absorb the information given to us by others. Now here, as we said earlier, the religious leaders were so determined to get Jesus crucified that they essentially accused Jesus of treason by claiming to be the king of the Jews. They knew if anything would get Pilate to take action, it would be a political revolt. So Pilate tries to get to the bottom of this claim and ask Jesus again, What have you done? Verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. Okay, by this time, Pilate must have been so confused. What is this guy saying? He's also probably thinking, how is this guy any sort of a king? You would expect a revolutionary or someone who sets himself out as a monarch perhaps came in in style as the king of Jews. But if he's not the king, then why is he speaking about a kingdom? And on top of that, in a Roman trial, what is normal for someone to defend themselves against a charge? Jesus is not even doing that. Pilate doesn't get it, so he asked Jesus one more time. Verse 37, then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And then Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. Basically, Jesus doesn't deny that claim, but said, those are your words, not mine. But let's pay close attention to what Jesus says next. 
Jesus replied to Pilate, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I come into the world, to bear witness to the truth, and everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. You see, what happened after this conversation with Pilate is that the Jews demanded that Jesus be crucified, even though Pilate actually found no fault in him. Well, you know what? The crowd got they wanted. Jesus was nailed to the cross and died a death by crucifixion. But what's really significant here is that at the exact moment when Jesus was about to give up his life, he revealed his purpose in which he was born, which is to bear witness to the truth. And the trial ended in verse 38 where Pilate said to him, What is truth? What is truth? Pilate didn't stay for the answer. I'm not even sure if he actually asked that to know. Maybe it's just sort of a sarcastic statement, you know, what is truth anyway? Or rhetorical, he got what he needed from Jesus and pop, case closed. I believe many people today are not like Pilate. We are fearlessly asking the big questions in life and are hungry to find the answers. And that's why all across the world, we see people coming on Alpha to ask and explore these big questions. The word truth in this passage is the Greek word aletheia, which, yes, refers to truth in con contrast to falsehood, as we know truth to be. But in the New Testament, this word borrows the meaning from the Old Testament. And when truth is used in connection with God, it means faithfulness, reliability, trustworthiness, sureness. In the Old Testament, the word truth is used to describe God's character. Psalm 31 verse 5, You have redeemed me, O Lord, the God of truth and faithfulness. And again in Isaiah 65 verse 16, God of truth and faithfulness. And in the book of John alone, this word Aletheia truth is used 25 times more than the other Gospels. And many of those times is used to describe who God is. John 1 verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son, which is Jesus, from the Father, who is full of grace and truth. And again in John 1 17, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, which means He is the source of truth. And later in John 14 verse 6, Jesus described Himself as I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So what does this tell us? Perhaps the right question is not what is truth, it's who is truth. Truth is not more knowledge or information. Truth is the very character of God. Hebrews 13 verse 8 tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So friends, as we navigate the jungle of relative truth, the key is to pick up our compass of faith and our true north is the unchanging nature of God. He is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, sure, immovable, unchanging. In fact, as Jesus said, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. 
His whole life and death and resurrection is meant to point us to the truth of who God is. And this is the good news. When Jesus breathed His last breath on the cross, the Bible tells us that the curtain on the temple was torn in two, which means when Jesus, because Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sin, every barrier between us and God is broken. So Jesus' death paved the way for us to enter into truth and know who God is intimately. We can only discover who we are when we discover whose we are. But how, how do we know God intimately? And maybe there are times uh, where you felt as though God is a mystery or that He's far away, He's distant a million miles away. I think one of the greatest barriers to believing the truth of who God is is the lies that we've come to believe. Perhaps like Pilate, you've heard someone else say something about God. Or maybe out of a hurtful circumstances you've gone through, and all of us have that, you form a conclusion about yourself and about God, and you walk around throughout your life with that label sticking on you. For me, my parents separated when I was just four years old, and at that age, I formed a conclusion that went from, it's my fault, to, I'm not lovable, and therefore, God does not love me. And I would have continued living in that lie that I'm unloved, but when I came to know Jesus as my Savior, He first introduced Himself to me as a Father who loves me and never leaves me. And that started to heal that wound and counter the lie that I have believed. Or maybe you can relate to this. For me, one of the things that I've struggled with a long time is confidence. And it comes from, you know, a baggage of past failures in broken relationships or failed ventures. And I formed the belief that I'm not good enough and therefore God will never be pleased with me. In that moment of struggle, what happens? We find ourselves in the same situation as Eve in the Garden of Eden when the enemy cast doubt on her by saying, did God really say? And in the confusion like Eve, we eat the fruit of that lie. Jesus in John 8 tells us the devil has a way of whispering these lies to us again and again and again and again to beat us down. You're abandoned. You're, you'll never match up. You'll always be a failure. And Jesus said the devil does not stand in truth. He is a liar and the father of lies. But as we look throughout scriptures, God, who is the father of truth, he does not hide his face from us. And in our doubt and confusion and struggle, he wants to reveal himself to us. Like Pilate, ironically, when he asked what is truth, truth was standing right in front of him. How does God reveal Himself to us? Well, He doesn't leave us alone to figure Him out. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to us, who is called the Spirit of Truth. 
He said in John 16, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said, He will take what is Mine and declare to you. God declares His truth over you. And when the Spirit of truth speaks to us, the lies in our lives that we have so deeply internalized get surfaced and counted by the truth of God's Word. And that has the power to change our lives because the Bible tells us His Word is alive and living and sharper than a two-edged sword. So if you need some true bumps today, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal God to you. Now, what about the question of who am I? Just a couple of verses uh, before what we read earlier, when Jesus was confronted by the army that came to arrest him, Jesus revealed his identity as the I am. Now, this is not your regular self-identification. I am Priscilla Kaur, wife of Joshua, Alpha Asia Pacific stuff. I am comes from the Greek word ego eimi, which is the personal divine name of God that God Himself revealed to His people in the Old Testament. I am means God is creator and sustainer of all things. God is unchanging in His character and it means God will be. He's not just who He is in this present moment that you are living in, but for the time to come. See, when someone reveals their name to you, they are letting you in on something very essential. But more so, they're actually revealing their identity to you. And that's what Jesus did here. The moment He said, I am the glory and authority of God was so powerful in that place that the soldiers fell to the ground. Can you imagine 200 strong men toppling on top of one another? It's not very macho. This powerful moment is the culmination of seven other instances in the book of John where Jesus identified Himself as the I Am. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, the life, and I am the true vine. A couple of years ago, I visited a friend who had just had a newborn baby, a newborn son at that time, very cute. And I asked, hey, how has fatherhood changed the way you see God? And he thought for a moment and he said, actually, it changed how I see myself. Because every time he looked at his son, all he saw was wonder and beauty and everything he did was cute and funny. And more importantly, his son hasn't even done anything useful or accomplished anything. In fact, he was doing some not very useful things like pooping and needing cleaning after that and crying for his favorite milk drink every three hours. And yet his love for his son was so overwhelming. And he thought, this must be how God sees me. And that completely changed his life. Now this lets us in on the foundational answer to the question, who am I? Our identity is not found in our accomplishments or what is listed on our LinkedIn or our past or our mistakes or even what people say about us. Our identity is found in who He is. And when we see how He looks back at us, it changes everything. 
so that we can say and live in confidence that because I, the great I am, is my Abba Father. I am a son and a daughter of the Most High King because the I am is my creator. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And because I am is love himself, I am loved with an everlasting love. And because the I am is my shepherd, I am not lost. I am someone with a purpose and destiny in Jesus. I am because of the great I am. So my dear friends, I want to leave you with this encouragement today. Pursue truth, but not as the world offers to us. Pursue the person of truth, which is God Himself. How do we do that? Well, John 8.31 gives us the key. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you abide in my word, abide in His word, which means remain, to meditate, to chew, to study, to hang on, hold fast to His word, and remember what He has spoken to you. And Jesus said, You are truly my disciples. And verse 32 says, And you will know the truth, which means you will know God intimately, His character, His nature, His presence, His nearness, and the truth will set you free. It will liberate you. And as you read His Word, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit living in you, will be a helper and reveal God to you. So the first thing is to abide in His Word. Now, the second is to put on our belt of truth. Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the enemy, the lies he tries to whisper to you about who you are. And part of that armor, which includes the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, is the belt of truth. My husband Josh tells me that during his high school years, he was really into one of these baggy jeans, you know, worn really low and without the belt. Well, anything could happen with that sort of pants. But the belt in an armor actually holds the entire outfit together. And it's also where all the tools for battle are hung. So it's almost like a, you know, a fanny pack. We approach life not with baggy pants without belt, but our whole lives held up by the truth of who God is and the truth of who we are in Him. I do this thing uh, every day as a way of putting on my belt of truth. I have a page of notes of I am statements based on His promises in Scripture or prophecies made over my life. And I read that to myself, uh, I am a daughter of the King of Kings. I am His joy unspeakable. I am chosen to point people to God. It looks funny. And sometimes I even go to the mirror and tell myself that. But what I'm doing is anchoring my day in the truth of God. So every time a shaking happens, and yes, newsflash, COVID will not be the last thing that shakes up our life. Life happens. People go through stuff because we live in a very broken world. But in those shaking changes, adjustment, we don't have to be derailed because the belt of truth testifies to us that God's got us. And I'll end with this. Jesus said at the end of his conversation with Pilate that everyone who is of the truth, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. 
So as we hold fast to who God is and our identity in Him, it's as though we put on our noise-canceling headphones, something many of us purchased during lockdown. It will not completely cancel out the noise outside, the opinions of the world and what people tell us or what we read or what we hear, but it will help us zero in and focus on the voice that we need to hear, which is God's voice of truth speaking over You know, wherever you are, we're going to pray in a moment and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth to come and fill us. And I want to invite you, if you could put up your hands, you know, and open your heart to the Lord, if you want to stand and just bring your life afresh before the Lord right now. Come Holy Spirit. 